Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. One of the common challenges that business owners face is figuring out their exit strategy. In other words, to be frank with you, they're not even thinking about exiting when they're going into business or starting up a business, but I think they should be. So the question is, how can you grow your business and then sell it? Getting ready for exit. This week, I'm joined by Wally Davey. Now, he's done that several times with great success. Now, it might not be that sexy because what Wally started was a thing called Pertec Hydraulic Systems. Uh, it's a, you know, they basically replace hydraulic hoses on machinery. He started the Pertec Hydraulic Systems in the 70s in New Zealand. Then he came to Australia to address a bigger market. And since then, that business has grown to be successful all around the world. He doesn't own it anymore because he sold out in the 80s. But irrespective, it's still a very valuable business and he knew what he was doing day one. Well, he has a new business now called Maximus Industrial. It's in the same sort of industry, but it's right now trying to raise money to fund growing 35 stores as franchisees. Now, why is this important? Because that's his distribution. And what's important about that? Without distribution, the service and or the product, he doesn't have value. And without value, he's got nothing to sell down the track. He's got no product to have an exit strategy around. And Wally, I know, is actually thinking about his exit strategy right now from day one, which is the only way to think about these processes. And if I'm an investor into his business, I want to know what I'm going to get out of five to seven years' time for. So I want to know, is there an exit strategy that Wally's thinking about that's going to suit me as well as an investor? So if you're talking investors, you need exit strategies. If you're talking investors to raise money to roll your business out, make sure you know what the exit strategy is. So I'm going to talk to Wally about how he's done stuff in the past, how he's been able to grow and sell multiple businesses, as well as what he's learned about working with partners and franchisees. That franchise piece, that distribution piece becomes quite critical and we talk about some really interesting stuff. So let's get into it. Wally, welcome to The Mentor, mate. Thank you very much indeed. Now, as you can see from the introduction, I mean, everybody who's listening to this knows that Wally started up a business called Pertech. And uh, I got I, you don't own it anymore. I understand that, but I I do want to go back to that a little bit because sure. uh, I remember seeing that on the front of someone's football jersey. That's it. Is it the Bulldogs? Uh, the Eels originally. The Eels was it? Yeah. And did, did it move around anyone else? Uh, not that I'm aware Boy, of. This, that Eels. was post my my uh, period at the at the company. I I started the the business in 1980 with Peter Duncan, a, a partner. Yeah. Uh, Peter was the major shareholder and the uh, significant party in the in the business and. Um, after 20 years, I decided that uh, I'd, I'd uh, like to move on and find another challenge in life. And so I sold out in 2000. So you, so, so the Pertec uh, sponsorship wasn't yours? Because I was desperate. No, did that you, was... That did was... You have, were you a Paramatta supporter and you decided yeah. one day? Because I can tell you, one, anyone who's listening to this, i tell you one thing. Uh, about. I mean, I did many, many years of uh, sponsorship in front of the New South Wales jersey in the Wizard days. And 
I have to be honest with you, it's, uh, you've got to do it because you love the side as opposed to trying to make money out of it because uh, sponsorship on the front of a jersey is uh, not all that rewarding uh, other than in an emotional sense. And I was trying to work out whether or not you had yeah. that emotional tie to Parramatta, but it wasn't you. Not personally. No. But we know who Pertek is anyway. Correct. Well, it's funny, you know, I used to always say to myself, I wonder who Pertek is, I wonder what they do. I had no idea. That, that, there you go. So Pertek was on the sponsor of a jersey for Parramatta. For how many years do you reckon? Uh, probably five or six, I imagine. And I yeah. still had no idea who Pertek was. Yeah, correct. And um, th- that's the whole point. There's, I know the name, but I didn't know what sure. the hell they do. So sure. I'm not going to run out and buy a Pertek hose or whatever it was. Yeah. So, right, mate, let's, uh, for you know, this is not video, this is uh, audio. So um, I have to say, Wally's not a young man because, as you just heard, he started off in business in about 81, probably prior to that, I'd say for sure. How old are you, mate? Uh, yeah, if, somewhere in the 60s. It's somewhere in the 60s. Like That's good, to good time it. to be. Yeah, um, yeah. And what's your background? I mean, I, I guess because we're talking about someone here who's been through the cycles of setting up businesses, selling businesses, selling equity in businesses. Um, so in other words, you're always ready for an exit. We're always conscious of an exit. And that's one of the things that small business owners, any business owners, they don't do. Well, they don't, in my opinion, they don't do well. And the whole reason we're talking to you today is to get into their heads. That's the important part of that because the important, the importance of thinking about exit when you're yep. in the business. Correct. So take me back, right, 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 right Ooh, back. That's a long way. Yeah, I know. Take that's back long. to. I don't want to go back to the fifties when you're born. Take me back to the sixties, maybe the seventies. What are the influences around Wally that sort of got you to decide that you want to be working for yourself? Um, I, I left school when I was very young, in fact, 15 years in a day, um, and, uh, started a, started a career as a toolmaker. Um, that career lasted only about a week when I realized how boring that lifestyle was going to be. So, um, I joined the ANZ bank. That's and pretty after, boring too. Yeah. But after about two years, I looked at the, uh, the fact that I was a teller in the bank and I had some wonderful customers who would come and deposit a lot of money with me. And I realised pretty quickly I was on the wrong side of that counter. Um, oh no, I don't know about that. You're taking the money, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but but it wasn't mine. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so um, I became involved um, with a business uh, that then became was known as NZ ENZED, and that business had a range of hydraulic hoses hose uh, fittings that. Um, it was trying to market through a distributor network in an industrial product uh, base in New Zealand. And they a, still operate, don't they? They do, yeah. correct, yeah. In a, in a three million population base, a very tough market to get a foothold in. Um, and I had a look at where the product ended up. And so I went out into the marketplace and I, I realised that a hydraulic hose, when it fails, uh, is responsible for holding up a lot of other activities. It might be an earth-moving machine that's blown a hydraulic hose that was loading trucks. And so those in those days, the, re, the re, uh, replacement cycle on that hydraulic hose was very long-winded. It was, it was days, uh, at least days. And so we looked at how it might be, uh, we might speed up that process. And the innovation that I kind of looked at from, uh, I guess, an intuitive perspective and certainly no training in marketing or uh, any formal uh, education, um, I, I looked at um, the the uh, way that we could change the market to speed up the process. And, and I was working with a couple of guys who were young, young business owners who had a lot of um, faith in their uh, people around them. And 
So I suggested that I should buy a full transit motor, motor uh, van and uh, fit that out with a, a range of uh, bulk uh, product, bulk hose and bulk fittings, and uh, a couple of pieces of uh, machinery, and that we should take that out to the market to where the hydraulic hose uh, was actually needed at the at the uh, uh, customer customer end. And so we did so that. So you, you, you decided to get to the work sites? Yeah, yeah, get to the work sites. So we did that, um, and, uh, and it proved quite successful. And as a consequence of that success in New Zealand, Peter Duncan, who was a distributor of the NZ product in New Zealand, and I joined forces and came uh, lock, sock and barrel with family to a bigger market space, which was you know, five times population of New Zealand. Um, certainly we didn't know anybody, didn't have any idea of uh, what the 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 the, ca the customer company name was behind the uh, the business that we were knocking on the door of, um, so we 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 uh, came out to Australia in 1980 and uh, found a, a a building in South Street, Rydalmere, a small uh, industrial property, and set up a hose service centre under the NZ brand at that point, and um, commenced the sale of uh, hydraulic hoses in the Australian market uh, through a trade centre and then through a mobile program. Okay, so let me just take you back. Let's just go back a step here. Because you said a lot of stuff there. Yeah, yeah. And all the people listening don't have a clue what you're fucking talking about. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to unwrap this because it was important that they do understand, I think. And obviously your strength is not marketing. Correct. Correct. That's fine. Yeah. And because uh, people people listening to this are in exactly the same position. They're skilled, but they don't understand how to tell a story. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a good example, mm -hmm. a real good example. You've got a lot of good stuff in there that you don't need to tell a story because you've done well. But a lot of people, they do need to sell a story because they're trying to borrow money, raise money, sell yep. equity, sell sure. the business, and it's all about the story. Mm -hmm. That's how you get them in the first place. So what we're talking about here is a bloke who's left school when he was really young, not educated. Mm -hmm. But what I got from that is that somehow, don't know where you get this from, but somehow you identified a problem in a market. Correct. And you worked at the markets pretty big. Or where where there, where is there a big addressable market, mm -hmm. which is right here in this country? Yeah? Yeah, that's correct. So you worked out a problem. You worked out a solution. Mm -hmm. We'll come back to the solution in a second. And then you found out where's the biggest addressable market for me. That's right. And now they're basic tenants. Any investor mm -hmm. wants to know when they're investing in a business. What's the problem? What's the solution? Mm -hmm. Why is your solution unique or better than everybody else's? And how big is the addressable market? So the addressable market is Australia. Would you say the population, whatever, is five times, three times? what? Five, five times New Zealand. Five times. Okay. So that just basically means I can sell more of the shit. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah? right. Exactly right. Um, uh, the problem, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the problem was that the problem was then that and this is sort of a bit technical, and hopefully, you know, you and I might find it interesting, but most listeners will find it boring because they're only interested, interested in their problem and their solution, but it doesn't matter. The problem, as I understand, is that the hydraulic hoses on lots of um, applications, it could be tractors or whatever, machinery, um, they break down mm -hmm. or they burst or whatever the case may be. And as a result of that, you hold you hold a job up because the time it takes to replace a silly little hydraulic hose in the whole big machine, correct, um, holds the whole game up. Is that the problem? That's the problem. Yeah. So 
that's so that's really important because investors want to know what the problem is mm-hmm. if they're investing. Um, the addressable market that you, you you worked that out in a heartbeat because you just knew what bigger market was. Um, let's look at the solution. How was it that Wally was able to work out the solution, and what what was the solution? So because there are moving parts or lots of parts to the solution. If I could be so bold as to suggest, ask you, is the solution basically being at the worksite where the problem is going to occur with the with the replacement? Is that yeah? That's absolutely correct. Yeah. So in taking, other words, taking the product to the to the problem. Yeah. Right. So yeah. because the the problem before was that um, it was a logistical problem for the operator of the machinery, Correct. if they had to make a phone call. In those days, of course, there's no computers yep. and there's no instant whatever. And uh, then you had to get to a warehouse. And you had to get to a supplier, a supplier to get to a warehouse, a warehouse had to get a delivery guy and the delivery guy had yep. to turn All up. That. And, yep. Is that, is that, yeah, is yeah, that, yeah. That's a logistical problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you worked out the solution lay in cutting out a whole lot of steps mm-hmm. and basically making yourself, in your case, you went and rented or bought a van or something yep. and you just... You were like Took the, it out there. Yeah, totally. So yeah. you're sort of like the um, traveling brush brush guy. You know, yeah, I mean, the old okay. Broom yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, in yeah. some respects, yeah, yeah, you've not, just borrowed yeah. from what historically had happened yeah. in the past. Yeah. But instead of brushes and uh, and things in your van, you had yeah. exactly what they needed for to replace the hydraulic hose. Is that Correct. right? Yeah, that's right. And I think, you know, today, uh, mobile replacement services in the industrial sector or the automotive sector or whatever are pretty common. But in those days, um, mobile service was not a common uh, uh, product available. You know? And that, that's really interesting, mobile service, <clears throat> because um, many, many years ago, John Simons um, set up a business called Aussie Homelands, but mm-hmm. his proposition to the problem was have a mobile lending service. Yeah. And people used to actually Absolutely. get in their car and sell the loan from the car, as opposed to you having to make an appointment to see the bank and all that, go through all the palaver. Sure. And today, um, the replacement in our, in the way we look at things today, the mobile service is actually your mobile phone. Yeah. So they've even cut out the delivery guy. To a certain extent. In financial yeah. services. I'm talking about yeah, financial yeah, services. Yeah, yeah, they've sure. cut out the delivery guy, so it's yep. all been done online. So you, you go direct to somebody to get your solution to your problem. Your problem being you need, you need money. The solution yep. being, I, in the old days, I had to go and talk to somebody. Well, today I talk to someone through a mobile phone. I don't even have someone come and see me. I can just pick this thing yep. up anytime, twenty four hours a day. Yeah, I don't sure. have to go anywhere. That's the, sort of the proposition. Yeah, and I and and look, that covers home services. It covers you know lots of other getting things. your car fixed or, or yeah, yeah, totally. You know anything you you do today, you can you can have it delivered uh, to your doorstep or to your to your place of work or wherever that may be, and it's a very simple and efficient kind of delivery process. Whereas in, you know, the early eighties, there wasn't much in hydraulic like in, in mobile service at all. Uh, Nothing like that. Exactly. So what you had to do, I guess, is then you had to, then the next step for you to get scale to work the addressable market over was you had to scale yourself. Yes. In other words, you had to have lots yeah. of wallies and vans. You had to replicate the business. Yeah. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you had, had to have as many people on the road as possible. Mm-hmm. So you had to have, build a, logistical delivery force, workforce yep. with vans, Correct. something written on the side. And then you did your branding thing. And in your own industry, the branding became well-known. Um, it was called, what, what do you call yourself? Well, the original branding was NZ, which as you see, is still in the market yeah. today. But yep. in the, in the early eighties, we, uh, 
we went on a different path and ended up in a, in a connection with the Pirelli Company of Italy, who were one of the world's leading suppliers of the day in the hydraulic hose and fitting product. Right. So we ended up with a, a, a very high quality world worldwide brand. Um, and, and as a consequence of generating that relationship, we changed the company name to Pertec, which ah. is a derivative of Pirelli technology. Right. Okay. Now I know where it comes from. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, and, and to some extent, that's sort of what people do today. They call themselves, you know, something tech, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's no difference yeah. in the names. The names yeah. haven't really changed that much, funnily enough. Yeah, I think, though, when you look at it from the point of view of replication and you take take the franchise um, model and, and use it as your, as your uh, expansion device, if you like, um, then you certainly need a trademarkable brand. I mean, apart from having a, you know, a, a a product that is different to the, in the market space, you also need to be able to trademark a brand. And if you're looking in the future at an international uh, development expansion, then you need a brand that will carry into the European or Asian markets as, as easily as it will in Australia. Yeah, well, that's a good um, point. So let's just wheel back a little mm-hmm, bit again mm-hmm. because, you know, your what you've done is specific to your industry and probably even specific to you. But And, it's, and you know, people listening to this, um, are thinking to themselves, oh, I want to have a New South Wales-wide product or Australia-wide product or a global product. And uh, so if we just sort of unwind a little bit again, what we're saying here is Wally and his business partner, but Wally's the guy sitting here today, so Wally, um, he he found out a problem. So audience, what's the problem? Two, audience, what's the solution? Wally come up with the solution. Um, and... What is and which is really important? What's the addressable market? Which Wally again, we know we discussed. Wally found an addressable market which is large enough to make it profitable and make it a valuable business proposition. And then finally, the fourth point to all these things is how do people know about me? And you've got to build a brand. Correct. So you came up with a name, and the name was relevant to that market at the time because Pirelli was making hoses that had a global yeah. to your industry anyway. Your Definitely. people knew about that. Yeah, and it was tech-based, so there must be some technology around it all too. So so Wally, what he's done here is it's, it's pretty clever. It's problem, solution, addressable market, and then finally, um, I guess we better put in there logistics, in other words, how the hell to get it there. Yep. That's sort of part of the solution, but it's, it's the fulfillment piece mm-hmm. and then the brand. That's right. So they're the elements, and they're the elements of every business. I don't care whether you're a – Atlassian or whoever you are, they are the same elements to every single business. Problem, solution, addressable market, fulfillment, and then finally right. brand. Yep. And that's, which is quite cool because now I know where, what Pertech stands for. And exactly. I, I I never had any understanding. Is that still as relevant today? Do Pirelli still make the... Uh, no, they don't. No. Right. And, and in fact, you know, the Pertech brand was able to, to I guess, surpass the, the Pirelli relationship without too much of an issue. But... In the early days of the business, the technology behind the product was really critical to the acceptance by the customer. Right. So quality became a really important issue in that industry. It was a it was a product that could fail under pressure, close to somebody, and and cause injury, for example. Right. So the quality, the relationship, um, the customer had to feel that they were buying the best possible quality. Right. So to be able to use the Pirelli technology subtitled to the Pertec brand, then gave us a very strong international carry in the market. And it gave us a perception that we were a very large international business as opposed to a one-man band small operation in Sydney. 
And that then gave us the opportunity to then replicate the business more easily, or I guess not more easily, but it gave people a comfort level that um, they were dealing with somebody who was, um, you know, a very credible operator in the market space. So what, what, and that's an important point. What Wally's talking about here is you've got to recruit people to sell the product mm-hmm. and they're not going to do it unless they, if they think it's a shit product, but if they think it's a, wow, this is a product I could not normally get my hands on because this organization somehow has done a deal with a, gl- a global yep. brand. Uh, global, Pirelli, global partner, yeah. Global partner, yep. global brand. Pirelli is a big yeah, brand, sure. still is today. I, I mean, I know them for tires, but I guess in your industry, they're known for lots of things. And uh, so, because at the end of the day, you've got to be able to get people to deliver and they've got to j- join in on the movement. They've got to buy into the proposition. Yeah, they do. They have to buy into the dream. They have to buy into the dream. And uh, the Pirelli name is a good one for them. And, it was, yeah. And, and, and a lot, uh, I guess that's why you ended up doing, well, Pertech ended up doing, not you, but Pertech ended up doing the jersey stuff. Because mm-hmm. whilst I haven't got a clue what Pertech meant when I'm watching footy, People who are in that industry know about it. Would know about it absolutely, and that's your audience. Yep. That's all you give a shit about yeah. is getting to them. And maybe rugby league is one of the uh, platforms that that industry watched at the time. Yeah, and V eight V eight car racing was the other. So V so Pertech was a major sponsor of V eight car racing, um, and that that that's the, the the those are the sports that resonate with the customer base that's using the product in a field generally. What's really important, you know, for, for the audience and, and it's why we, you know, we get people like Wally who have been through this process. Lots of people talk about it. Not, not many people have been through the process. And we'll talk about, you know, exiting and all that stuff in the second half of this uh, podcast. But this is, this is a, a actually awesome example, although somewhat um, obverse or uh uh, hard to understand because we don't. Most people who are listening to this podcast don't know your industry, but but it's an awesome example of how you turn some idea into a really good business. But the sorts of elements that you need to have the good business. So, and you know, and even this sponsorship at the time was probably quite good in some respects because that gave you the perception. That's right. That it's you all were about bigger, perception. You were bigger than you really yeah, were. It's all about perception. And, and that means people will join you. And not only that will people join you, when the people who join you to sell your or to distribute your product, they go out to, to a site and they say, listen, we've got the Pertech brand. And someone says, oh, yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, exactly. They're on the jersey, Paramount, blah, that's blah. That's it. So that's the game. So if you're in the audience yep. and you're trying to work out how you get your product to market and turn it into a business, um, you better make sure you understand the problem intimately. You come up with a solution that is – a proper solution in every aspect, including logistics, which what I mean by that is the fulfillment. How do I get it to the customer? Mm-hmm. Easy, simply, cheaply at the right price. Where do I get the right product from in order to recruit the people to do this for me? Now, today, internet's a bigger part of the, this process than, than it was in those days. Um, uh, uh, how do I find a market? There's no point being able to do all this and be only have 50,000 customers You've got to have a market that can give you scale. So that's sure. why Wally come to Australia. Sure. And, uh, and, and then finally, how do I build a brand around all this? How do I – and I keep telling the story about, you know, this is a problem. This is the problem. This is a solution. We've got a global, global supplier, which makes it really um, uh, high quality and, and low risk. And I, I, I presume at the end of the day, it's also about reliability. You know, like, uh, oh, yeah. is this mob reliable? Yeah, it is. They'll turn up. Quality of product, reliability of service. 
Um, but I think, you know, brand culture, you know, eventually the, the brand develops a culture yeah. and, and that culture develops a following. And, and so Pertec today is almost an icon, uh, iconic Australian brand, um, now represented in probably more than 20 countries around the world. Wow. Um, probably, you know, h- hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue, um, employing thousands of people. Um, and, um, and yet still, um, I guess fulfilling the market condition exactly the same as it was on the day that we started it in 1980. Yeah, because the internet's um, not going to, re- internet, I should say, is not going to replace, um, people driving out to a mine no, site not. helping it's out not. with a, uh, the technology is not going to replace the, the, the need for the product to be immediately available in the case of a, of a, an emergency breakdown in the field. What's interesting about technology, and I was only reflecting on this the other day. Technology is just an enabler. I mean, one of the things that people keep saying to me, oh, well, you know, technology is knocking off all the jobs for people in Australia Post. In other words, the postal guy is no longer required because we don't use letters. We do everything by email, et cetera, which is probably correct um, in, in the most circumstances. But what actually technology has done with e-commerce, in other words, us buying things on the internet, it's created a whole new industry, and that industry is called delivery guys. Yeah, absolutely. Fulfillment. So yeah, fulfillment. Um, every time I buy something on the internet, it has to be delivered. That's the whole reason I buy it on the internet, so I don't have to go to you know David Jones or Grace Brothers or Maya or wherever go and pick the thing up to buy it. I want it actually delivered to my home. Well, guess what? The internet doesn't deliver anything. Um, you have to have a delivery person. Now, because then I, the only reason I reflect on this because I was talking about drones the other day. The drones are going to do these deliveries for you, but even if drones do t- take over physical courier systems. Um, I, I noticed couriers, please, recently, not recently, about three, four years ago, was sold to the Singapore Post Group. That's right. For 90 million bucks. Yeah, that's right. I mean, like, that one, that was owned by New Zealand Post um, at the yep. time. And couriers, please, that, that's a lot of money for a f- franchise courier yeah. business. Uh, look, I, I had a, a brand new uh, iPhone delivered to the house for my wife the other day from the Australia Post delivery guy on a motorbike, but it was actually a Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek um, courier product, which Australia so, Post, yeah, Australia Post bought, mm-hmm. and now and now they run a courier service for, for parcels and, and packages. Now that's a quite a, <clears throat> a shift away from delivering the letters letters to the mailbox. But it's but it's a new job. It's a, a new job, a new industry replacing the old one, which Absolutely. technology is just enabled. And we got to stop getting too terrified about what technology is going to do. We we have to do is work out how could we how do we fit in with technology yeah. and uh, there's a great example. Courier businesses now are big businesses around but the world. Even harnessing the opportunity for an Uber driver to be a parcel delivery driver who can take the urgent demand product from my business out to my customer mm. and look when he arrives as if he's part of my business. So the perception is that this guy arrives in a nice car, opens the boot, there's the product that the customer wants in a hurry. Um, and to all intents and purposes, it looks like my business has delivered that product directly to them personally. But in, in effect, it's actually an Uber driver who's delivered the product. And soon we'll have driverless cars, which exactly. will be, which, because yeah, I, I was ha- ha- uh, fortunate enough to get involved in uh, a prototype with, uh, I won't name the global internet organization, who big car make, big car manufacturer, who are trialing a, uh, a van which is now driverless. And uh, in the back of the van, they have a whole lot of, Mailboxes mm-hmm. or boxes, mm-hmm. which go to, which get sent drivers driverlessly to an address, and and you can go out there and collect all your stuff, um, and you don't even need anyone to open the the, the, yep. the mailboxes. are all done electronically with your mobile phone. Yeah, but then people might say, "Oh, well, that's got rid of drivers." No, but then someone has to pack the van, someone has to build the van. There's a whole lot of jobs that are going to come off the back of that. Sure. 
And so let's not get too worried about where we're going to end up. But what we're talking about here is irrespective of the fact that someone like Wally probably or an idea like Wally's as opposed to Wally's idea is may get well may well get replaced by um, different types of transport and fulfilment. It doesn't necessarily follow that this is not a great way. This is not a great path to go down because those those elements still need to be resolved. Problem, solution, addressable market, product, brand. They're the things that need to be sorted. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Wally, I'm going to. I'm just going to go to the break now. We need to have a break. And uh, and after the break, I want to talk to you about what you're doing now. Sure. It's really important. Sure. As you know, my focus is all about supporting Australian small business owners in every aspect of business life. The Mentor Podcast Series is one way of doing that. To further help support businesses... We've created mentor.com.au. Mentor.com.au is a website full of resources and tools to help you learn from the experts, ask questions to a range of mentors from a variety of business fields, and to give you opportunities for deals. That's business deals, business tools, et cetera, that we've secured exclusively for mentor members. And in our website, we also have a list of businesses that you may want to buy, or you might have a business to sell you can put on that list. In each episode, I'll profile different aspects of what's available at mentor.com.au, especially when it comes to businesses for sale. And with that, I'd like to welcome Matt Holland. Now, Matt is our Managing Director of Mentor Business Sales. Matt, tell us about the business you're going to profile this week. Hi, Mark. Thanks for the opportunity to have a chat about uh, some of the great businesses we've got. Uh, Probably the best one I've got at the moment, uh, or the the most recent one, is one down at uh, the Berry. Anyone looking for a a sea change or on the beautiful it, south coast. Absolutely, my brother's got a farm down there. Yeah, it's look, it's it's probably I, I believe it to be the number one cafe in the area. Um, it's about a three million dollar turnover. Great set of books. Um, a perfect business for anybody looking to uh, to escape the uh, the chaos of the C- CBD. And, and it's in good shape. You've obviously been through it. You know the deal. Absolutely, uh, back to front. It's um, it's a good, clean business. Full set of books. Accountant stands behind it. Love it. It's a great, great find. Well, if you're, yeah. you're endorsing it, that's good enough for me. So, if someone wants to find out more about that, or sort of, you know, they want to they want to sell a business, or they're trying to buy some other type of business, where do they go, mate? Mentor dot business. Uh, we have look anything from starting a business to, to growing to, to planning the business structures to capital raising, all the way through to uh, exiting and selling the businesses. We've uh, we've got a great team there. Um, head on to the mentor.business. Mentor.business, and is that's the website? Yeah, absolutely. Dot com.au? No, 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 just mentor.business. Mentor. Right, yeah, cool. The one. And uh, they can also follow you on Instagram. Please do. And what's that? What's your handle? Yeah, the handle is mentored business sales. Perfect. Okay, we're back from the break, and I'm here with Wally, and Wally was one of the original business partners, yeah, that's founders, in, yeah. in, in Pertech. Um he got out of Pertech, he sold out of Pertech, but Pertech today still prevails and it's a, it's a big business all around the world. And as Wally said, it's you know, got a lot of revenue and in a lot of places around the world. And, it, and so that business solution to the problem that he identified with his partner back then, back in the 80s, was it? Yeah, that's right. Uh, still prevails. Absolutely Great. does. Fantastic. Yeah. But you're not doing that anymore. No. Tell me about what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So post-Pertech, I, uh, I had a look at uh, a number of different markets, but recognised that the best thing to do... Uh, in the long term, is to get back into what you actually know, uh, as opposed to branching out into a whole bunch of things that you don't know very much about. 
Um, totally. and yeah, so, um, back into the, uh, the hose and fitting business, if you like to call it that, um, industrial hoses form a very different part of the market. They are the, I guess the arteries, a lifeline of, um, all, all sorts of different chemicals and, and, uh, um, products that flow to, um, you know, service, uh, uh, uh yeah, industry. Um, and as a consequence of that, we bought together, a hydraulic hose program, uh, a la Pertec, the, the original Pertec style. You, when you say brought, you bought one, or you, no? You, sorry, we bought. We've we've joined together, if you right. like, four different key core products. Right. Um, industrial hoses, hydraulic hoses, um, the pumps and and uh, and uh, uh, um, valves and products that service those. Uh, you know, push those products yep. through a, through a hose. Um, valves and break down and pumps yeah, and irrigation down. gear. And so basically, we bought these. We've converged these four products into a single market offer. Um, over the years, the client the does customer, that mean one product services all four markets, or you got you all got one? No, delivery we've got system? four. Yeah, four different product streams that service the same market. Yeah, right. Yeah, so the customer the customer uh, um, uh, has changed. The customer buying patterns have changed over the years. Uh, customers want to buy more from a single source. They want more. Um, Availability of product out of their one supply line, uh, ease of ease of purchase. Um, we we look more towards customer relationships today that are more embracing than just a niche than just a niche product such as a hydraulic hose. So in other words, the day of a guy just being on the on the site work site with his hydraulic hose, and he, we know Wally and he's going to turn up in his van every second day or something. Um, they're really what you're saying is a customer has lots of needs, not just for hydraulic, and they, they you know, I don't know, don't ask me where, there might be a mind side or something. Yeah, that, um, no, that's correct. And, uh, but they say, well, hang on, we just want to do it with Wally for this and so-and-so for that and so-and-so for that and so-and-so. We'd rather do it all in one person. That's absolutely correct. Right. So yeah. what was the problem that you identified? Uh, exactly that, that. Exactly that problem. That, right. um, you know, the four products actually were sold to the same customer base but by four separate companies. So why, and why was that a problem for the client or the um, customer? Well, it's more of an opportunity for the for, for us as Maximus that we can deliver a, a broader range of product to the same customer. In fact, um, you know, the old Pareto analysis of um, 80% of your of your customers are only buying 20, or sorry, 80% of the demand is satisfied by 20% of your product. Mm. And, and that, that same rule applies in a lot of different <clears> industries. <throat> so if you just bring together four lots of that 20% of product, you can actually satisfy 80% of the customer base. And that's exactly where Maximus was started from. So we wanted to, we wanted to have a franchise offering that was available at a mid mid range of you know three hundred eighty to four hundred thousand, as opposed to What's a that niche. Mean? Well, that mean? we we want to Maximus is a franchise business opportunity. So Maximus Maximus Industrial yeah. Maximus Industrial Trade Center, right? Is well, your business you own is, it? Is the business that we've now You're created? You're the franchisor. That's correct. Yeah, and you sell franchises. Yeah, we will. We will sell you franchises. Will? Yeah, um, um, for people to deliver your product to the customer. That's right. right. So we're looking. We're looking at the um, at the uh, mature level um, over five to seven years of thirty five Maximus um, trade centres around the Australian market. Can I just go back a bit, Wally? Please, yeah, sure. just a second, just to keep the same thing we had in the first half. The problem is that you've identified, and correct me if I'm wrong, or add to it, um, is that Customers prefer to deal with four, in your your um, opinion, four mainstream hoses and or hydraulic, whatever you call them, items, 
that that you know the lifeline of all the machines and yep. all the things that they run on sites, etc. Um, they they prefer to do with one person to um, fulfil those four requirements when things break down or things need to be serviced. Yeah, that's correct. Right, that's the problem. Yep. So the solution is to have well, a business like yours, mm-hmm. Maximus, that does that does, knows those four four items and sources those four items mm-hmm. and supplies those four items um, using you know. And your sorry, like in the first, your fulfillment. In other words, your logistics piece is through franchisees. That's correct. You you get this to your customers yep. through franchisees, yep. um, and you being the franchisor, of course, and the franchisees and the franchisees again, like before, like they're going to say, "Oh yeah, but who's Maximus? How how do you build the Maximus brand such so that they feel comfortable that they're doing the right thing?" Yeah. Um, certainly, um, the brand perception is, is very, is critical. So when you first build the, 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 the pilot business that will then prove the model, if you like, um, it needs to be built exactly as it would be replicated in a franchise network. And, and you then use the success of that pilot business as a means of attracting others to, uh, to invest in your franchise program. Um, today, uh, we're looking more at partnerships as, as, as opposed to full franchises where we actually combine with, yeah, own, combine the ownership, uh, with young guys and girls. Do they, who, do they own part of Maximus or do you own part of their Maximus? We own part, part of, of their, 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 their franchise, franchise yeah, right. which, which really is, you know, um, uh, I guess it's important to people that don't have enough capital to invest in a whole business, but have the skill set to actually be very capable franchisees. Mm. Um, and, you know, we're in the age of accountability now and accountability, it doesn't matter if it's in the banking sector or the, you know, the, um, financial services sector. Um, it's also very, uh, important in, in franchising that a franchise order day is more accountable. So if you now own part of the franchisee business, mm-hmm. then you are more likely, um, to support the success of that franchise unit. In the, and also enjoy in the part of the success. And enjoy part of the, yeah, it, absolutely. But it does give people who don't have financial capacity sufficient to own a whole business to at least own part of it and okay, grow so, and, what, and what do you charge, you charge a franchisee? There's no point telling us what you charge the franchise, but you'd say to the franchisee, you want to go on one of these franchises, it's going to cost you X amount of dollars. And that includes a setup, stock, training, systems, um, postcodes. Yeah. All of that. And marketing. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So all that, that. And so that's, that's your proposition too. And what type sort of people are the people who join one of these franchises? We're specifically looking for qualified industrial trades, uh, sorry, sales guys and girls, um, who are active in a particular market. For example, in the Hunter, we've, we've been fortunate to attract a, a, a young partner who's an excellent, uh, local, locally known and well-rounded sales specialist in the Hunter industrial uh, market space, and he's uh, now running the Maximus Trade Centre at uh, at Rutherford. Right, so it's a physical trade centre, like it's yeah, actually it a shop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's a trade centre, and yep. uh, and and when you say um, an expert in the market, what you mean by that is uh, um, you mean in a geographical market, is yeah. known in that market. Yeah, or, correct. Yeah, yeah. And he yeah, knows, has he or she knows that yeah, market. Has business relationships. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're not looking for a person who's a plumber or something like that. I mean, it not doesn't matter if they are, but yeah, or not, they can not, or they can't be. Not but specifically. You're more interested in a salesperson who has cred yeah. in a geographical area. Yeah. yeah. Uh, most of the franchise businesses that are out there in the industrial market space 
need the the sales element to the business to be the the core element that's that's operating um, and building the business. You know, so there's not a lot of sense in having a franchisee or a partner that sits inside a business and runs it from the inside. We really need an industrial sales to be out there in the market space, dealing at the customer level, um, negotiating and, and, and building relationships with customers actually in the field. But so that, that's an interesting point for people listening, because lots of people talk about franchising and uh, they have a great product, great service, and they, they've got a franchise. They would like to franchise because it's a great way to distribute. distribute. But it's, it's a tough one because uh, you have to, it's all about, the franchise or choosing the right person, not just picking anyone who comes along because you end up, you can, yeah. anybody can come along and say, yeah, I want to be one of those because it sounds like great. I want to work for myself and, you know, it's fantastic and i got the money and I can borrow it or my mum and dad can lend it to me or I'm going to mortgage my house, whatever. But, which is all great. You might get the franchise fee up front, but you don't really make any money at the franchise fee in the early stages. Um, and sometimes you're getting yourself a problem because if they're no good, if it just doesn't work out for a yeah, reason, look, then you're managing them, and it gets yeah. that heavy cost. Yeah, look, recruitment and 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 uh, recruiting the right people is a, is a very very important issue in franchising across the the world today. Mm. Um, and fortunately, there are some emerging products. Um, one in particular out of the US, which is a predictive science tool, um, online an, an online assessment program, uh, where the the franchise or business is basically blueprinted for best mid and worst case performance through the network uh, and that those measure those uh, uh, measures are then uh, identified and the individual who's making an application to buy into that network is then matched against the business itself it's like psychometric it is a psychometric process yeah, yeah it, it is a psychometric yeah yeah well it's it's it, it's also covering culture it's it, it's covering the stage of growth for example if you have um, if you have a young business like Maximus's, we're looking for people that have got an entrepreneurial spirit that can drive and change and, and adapt to a local market condition when we're not always there to help them and support them. If you're in a McDonald's business, it's a plug and play. So you, you have to, must uh, prescribe to exactly uh, what's written down and how you will operate that business and you cannot change any part of it. So... As an individual, when you enter the franchise world and you identify you want to buy a franchise, you really need to know whether you're more of an entrepreneurial spirit or you're a plug and play person. Mm. And so this psychometric test, or it's, I guess it's beyond psychometric testing, there's a lot of different markers that are applied to it, but the culture of the organization is vital too. So, you know, you really need to fit to the culture. You need to fit to the sales orientation of that particular business. Is and it? also you've got to know the, the customer. You, uh, yeah, you do. You've got, you, you've got to you, fit into, yeah, you have geographically to fit into, customers exactly. would be different. Can I ask, but just out of interest, because people listening probably would be keen to know what the name of this, um, you you being a franchisor obviously found this testing system. Yeah. Um, is it? It's it, operating what? in the US under the brand Zoracle, Z-O-R-A-C-L-E. And um, in Australia, the the business is P to B, people to business, Zoracle, uh, Zoracle um, as the tool. And, um, so it's a tool, it's, it's an it's, online tool? Yeah, it's an online tool. It's launching soon. Um, it's, it's, it's what, sorry? It's launching soon. It's right, not, it hasn't launched yet. It's not launched yet, but right. it's in the very, it's in, it's been tested uh, in Australian franchising and, and proven to be a uh, an excellent tool. Um, and so it's now in the process of, of launching. And... Thank you. So, I mean, for people listening, you know, like if you, because it's, it's a tough one working out if someone will be a good franchi franchisee or not, um, irrespective of their enthusiasm and all those other things. There's a, there's a whole suite of things to look at. 
And when do you, and this is a hard one, because when do you say, you would know if someone's going to fit or not once you got to know them, Wally would, but Wally can't do that every single t- time because it's too hard. You can't predict it. But w- when do you use your gut over and above the tool or do you just well, let the well, tool the, preside? The, the gut has always been the, the problem. I mean, people have... have um, now, when do you use your gut in terms oh, yeah. of who you choose um, or you agree after, to choose? After the scientific evidence suggests that the person is a match, um, at let's say somewhere in the 90% level um, and across a, a, a whole range of markers that the person will match our business Maximus as a franchisee, um, two things happen. One is our, our brand um, um, reputation is, is relatively intact because we don't have failures of franchisees. It's, 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 pre- it's presenting as an opportunity to minimize that kind of risk. And obviously, most importantly, the prospect franchisee who's coming in and borrowing money against a home or, you know, with family engagement behind them is given a lot more comfort and, and uh, um, confidence that they will be a successful franchisee. Do you ever override that? Do you ever sort of say, you know what, they didn't work out in the, in the what was the name of the, 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 the scientific? Um, the Zoracle. The Zoracle thing. Let's say they, they came in at 60% sure. suitability, yeah. right, you say. Yeah. Um, but you had a really strong gut feeling that that person's, do you ever override it or do you work well, the other way? Well, if they come in at 90%, no, no, I don't yeah. care if you're 98%, I just don't think you're going to make it. Yeah, that, look, there is that possibility. The, the The reality of this is that as the franchise systems grow bigger, um, the people who are making the decisions to bring franchisees on and sell, sell or recruit franchisees for that business are lower in the pecking order in the company. Mm. So we need a tool that says if these people are in less than an 87% uh, match um, condition, then we should look at, first of all, why they're as low as they are because we actually think they're pretty good people. And it might be that one of the competency levels is missing. You know, there might be a trainable competency that we can adjust for to let, to lift that 87% to 92. If we have those people in the field in the first place, we can then look at the percentage of the match and we can look to the report and understand how it is we better manage those people. So if you're doing this blueprint, as I've said, and you you look across an organization and the top performers and the mid and bottom performers, how do we raise the bottom performers to a mid performer level? And this assessment process enables us to look at the individual uh, needs of a franchisee and after the event of actually selling them the franchise in the first place. But majority of franchises that are sold around the market today or franchises that are granted are granted on the on a gut feel of the yeah. people who are out there in the field selling the franchise in the first place. And the reality of this is that they're not always right. Yeah, totally. Um, so if anything can happen that we can bring a tool in that will reinforce that decision and make it a more scientific and decision, but, but also in the age of accountability, as we've just spoken about, um, it's far easier to be accountable to um, an organisation, a bank or a you know, a, 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 a possible failure in a franchise network. If you've gone through more process and the process is scientific in selecting them, then you have less opportunity to fail as a franchisor. Now that's that's great. I mean, I think for anyone listening, you should, I mean, I, I quite like this, the sound of this Oracle thing, um, tool and uh, but whatever the tool is, it doesn't matter. But if it's psychometric testing, but like s- approaching the decision on a scientific basis yeah, that's it. is really important. Exactly. And your gut can sort of get involved at some stage or other. But, um, but as Wally says, as you get larger, Wally can't be doing all the decision-making. He has to 
delegate that decision-making process because I'm glad he said that because a lot of people I know who run franchises tend to want to make all the decisions mm -hmm. and that's just impossible. It's inefficient. Mm -hmm. And what he's doing in these cases is while he's doing these cases, he's using um, other tools, but you know, scientific tools to help he might help the business make those decisions. And I guess right. also you can help it in managing the business once you've appointed these people and you can, and you can also look what the, the tool spits out to say, well, this is where someone's weak and we, yeah. can, we can train them up into that environment. That's absolutely Apart from Wally just sort of outlining earlier in the first half of this or confirming in the first half of this, the exactly 100% what are the sorts of elements that you need to have a successful business. You know, as I said earlier, Problem, solution, etc. He's now come up. This is a this is gold. This piece. This when it comes to franchising, at least um, using tools. And I know the banks do this with their own employees. They do high level psychometric testing, as opposed to just doing interviews. Yeah. So, yeah, the the interesting good. thing though is that the bank will do that with an employee. Yeah. But if I'm a franchisee making an application for finance, it doesn't get done. It doesn't get done. No, no, I so, think this is brilliant. I mean, I've never yeah. heard of this before. I think yeah. this is great. This is yeah. great for our listeners to listen to this. And in fact, if you're just going into business generally, it might be an idea to get on one of these tools just to find out whether you're actually suited to be in business at it, all. Yeah, and and look, that's level. That's comfort to the spouse. You yeah, know, totally. The spouse is part of the the, the fund responsibility of paying back the, the loan. Um, Mari and Banks should actually say this. It's, uh, we want to see the, the results of your, I of your testing. I agree with you. I mean, yeah. before they lend money to these organisations, which actually is a good thing because it's, I mean, if I'm going to go borrow money to buy a house, I can get onto the bank's website or Yellow Big Roads bank site, uh, website and we, uh, I, we can sort of, uh, I can do a, a qualification. Otherwise, I put all my data in and it tells him, spits out, yeah, you are you basically are, are qualified for the loan. Yep. And then I can go through my formal process. It's interesting um, we don't have that for business, uh, for entrepreneurs. People want to be in business. And Correct. this sort of tool is a, is a really great tool. I, I love it. I mean, when, yeah. when are they going to launch? Um, I believe within the next six Zoracle. months. Zoracle. Yeah. It'll be P2B, P2B um, uh, powered by Zoracle, I understand, will be the branding. P? P2B, which is people to, people to business. Yeah, yeah. Um, powered by Zoracle. Right. Okay. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Now, I, I, I mean, I, we, we're going to run out of time, but I, I always give everybody an opportunity to ask me a question. So uh, you got a question for me, Wally? Yeah, I have. Um, I, I guess my question would be, and, and uh, again, it's part of a statement of the of the kind of, as you grow in business, you get opportunities. Some people call it luck, um, but, you know, the big break, for example. And my understanding was that you had the big break with the Packer family mm. and, and, you know, um, Throughout the growth of Pertech, uh, the international market development into UK um, and the US, those were relationships that were, were um, created by luck, effectively. So, where do you see luck playing a part in the development of small business? Um, I don't see it. Um, you make your own luck, and what I mean by that is, um, um, I don't think you should be in. A, I mean, I think the best businesses to be in are businesses that are, that are involved in a rising tide. So. There's the a rise, is right? Yeah, yeah. There's a timing. It's a rising yeah. tide of something or other, mm -hmm. and uh, in that case, then opportunities will come to you. So, I'll, Wizard was in a rising tide of property residential finance because for a whole lot of reasons. But people then wanted to borrow money to buy houses. They still do. Don't get me wrong. But it was a real rising tide and massive growth. So I decided. I always knew this. So I decided to get into that market. That's one. Um, same as Yellow Brick Road. That's, but, but I went into it for that reason. It was a rising tide. Always I like to see a rising tide. In your industry, yeah. if there's more machinery, and, sure. you know, and there's a rising tide of things that are happening, Absolutely. like activity. 
um, and machinery makes things happen. So that's the first thing. And I think then luck doesn't play a part. I think actually what happens in is when you're in a rising tide, opportunities present themselves okay. because other people are opportunists. So Kerry was an opportunist. Mm -hmm. Investors are opportunists. They want to invest in things that are in a rising tide. So they come to you. As long right. as you're out there and you're known and mm -hmm. you have a reputation, those opportunities come to you. Then it's down to you to close them. Mm -hmm. So you've got to find a way of closing the opportunities that get presented to you because you're in a rising tide. People who have bad luck in business are the people who are in businesses who are not in a rising tide. I absolutely agree with you. People who have good luck in business yep. are people who are in business who, who are businesses where there is a rising tide. For example, anything to do with technology today is sort of like a rising tide. Um, you know, well, a predictive science thing we just talked about. Is yeah, a correct. Rising tide. And, 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 and we want science now to confirm everything we do. We do. It's gut, gut feelings anymore. They're just nearly not acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, it's good, mm -hmm. but, it's, but it's not acceptable for you to promote that. So we all want science behind everything. What is the science behind why you did this? What is the science behind the reason why you marketed it this way? What is the science behind the product and the perception, et cetera? So, uh, and, you know, you can have science. Science can be logistics, you know, how you actually yeah. get something delivered, yes. yeah. um, which is what you do. So I, so I, therefore, I don't think luck plays a, a role. I don't think, I think we might be lucky that we're born a certain way that we identify these problems. Yeah. Um, okay. but, yeah. but I think if Maybe you want- Maybe that's the intuitive nature of us. Then that's our curiosity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some people are meant to be, not meant to be in business and some people are meant to be in business because they have this, and then some people in, who are in business, who think they're meant to be in business- Shouldn't be. Shouldn't be. Yeah. And unless you can identify a rising tide and then you're prepared to, the elements for me are, know where the rising tide is, know what the solutions are within that rising tide, know how to close an opportunity. In other words, I identify the opportunity and know how to close it. Mm -hmm. So when Kerry Packer came to me, I saw the opportunity. I, I, I saw it and I closed on it very quickly. You've got to be able to close on it. You can't stuff around. And then you've got to execute because once you get someone like that in, in your camp, you there's no room to stuff it up. That's right. You've got to execute after yeah. that. So that comes down to drive and passion and hard work and belief in what you're doing and all those sorts of things which is sort of slightly different topic, but yeah. So to answer your question, Wally, um, seems to me you, I, you know where rising tides are. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that, uh, you know, where opportunities arise too. Yep. And my gut feeling is, you know, how to close on yeah. it. I guess my other question for you would be, um, Tom Watson, who founded IBM, uh, was once asked, why is IBM as big as it, as it is today when it was a global behemoth? And he answered the question by saying that he recognized that it would be that big on the day that he created it. Was that how you felt about Wizard? I never thought Wizard would be as big as it ended up being, um, but I knew it was going to be big, mm -hmm. um, and which is why I got into it in the, I got into the first place. I knew it had the, the, I didn't know Wizard would be it, but I knew the, the, the product suite and that industry had the ability yeah. to be that big. And there's a reason for that. I'm, I am lucky in this regard. My mother dragged me to the university instead of me not going to university, which I didn't want to do. She made me go to university. And then off the back of that, I met some good teachers out there who encouraged me to do postgraduate degrees, et cetera, and study in an area that actually drove the lending market, drove liquidity into markets. I studied an area called capital markets. I have a master's degree in capital markets, and I specialize in that. And I saw those capital markets coming to this country, Australia, before they came here, before others recognized them. So only reason I knew that is because I had studied them in America yep. and I watched them, how powerful they were in the US and I was wondering if they would ever come to Australia and I saw them come to Australia in the early mid-90s. So 
Um, I, I, from my point of view, uh, it was me seeing um, a new market coming to this country. Yeah. And I've learned, since learned about that, like new markets are really important to identify. And I'm always out there looking for new markets, new, new things. Yeah, so, sure. but, and we just yeah. talked about yeah, this. Yeah, sure. Delivery. Yeah, right. yeah. Courier guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, these people stick out in my mind now. And because we have some people who just sit around, all they do is complain, oh, well, the internet's ruining everyone's jobs, you know. And I, and I feel sorry for people who don't no longer have a job as a result of the internet or, or you know, e-commerce. But equally, every time it happens, there's a new one created. And, and I'm always yeah. looking for new industries, and um, I guess that's what you're doing uh, right now. And you're yeah, very much. And so. how do I? And yeah. how do you supply it? And that's yeah. what you're doing. And yeah, then, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I guess I come back at it from a more of a trade background, more of a um, just a, 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 I guess if we go to gut feel, just a mechanical gut feel. I, I reckon you're underselling uh, yourself, here, mate. I, I well, think that you've been around a long time. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of people out there in small business that don't have degrees who. You don't need a degree. Need to understand. In my case, I needed it for, for specifically for, for a capital market. Business, yeah. But in your case, you don't always need it. And in your case, you've you saw it happen, and you've actually you smelt it, you saw it, you've been through it, you've watched exactly. it happen, you've watched the evolution of it, and now you're backing yourself again yeah. to do it. And the small business lesson from this is that there are millions of people out there that don't have the educational qualification to feel that they can make the right moves to progress their business and. It's just as easy to, to, to develop a business if you've got the, a, an idea and the passion for it. You can develop it in a local market, you can develop it in a state, a national market, and you can take it to 20 countries around the world. You know, there is nothing that will stop you doing that if you have the passion for it. Well, the lesson out of that is, I agree with you, the lesson out of that is um, small business owners or business owners or people who want to be in business, back yourself. Rise up, back yourself. Don't let don't let the bastards grind you down. Don't let the people don't let don't let the system make you think think you're going to fail. Yeah, mate, the system wants you to succeed. Yeah, definitely we do anyway. Exactly. And here at Mentored, we want you to succeed. Thank you. Good luck, Wally. With Thank you, Maximus, mate. Thank you very much. All the best. Thanks for coming in, mate. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.